Hello and welcome to the Varmints Podcast. Every week we do a bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet one animal at a time. This week Paul is kicking back and taking some much deserved vacation because he had his wisdom teeth removed. <laughs> so he is not comfortable and I will be recording today with my special guest Megan who was formerly of the Oh No Lit Class podcast, which is super awesome, and you should listen to the back catalog. And now a person who is on the Weird Podcast. Tell us about your new thing. The Weird is an actual play audio drama podcast where me and my co-hosts are we're playing a game basically that like a tabletop game that we in invented and we're also telling like a, a cool fun spooky mystery story uh, about government agents sol solving creepy supernatural mysteries in in the most mysterious of decades the 90s well it sounds like a really fun project and i'm glad to have you with us Megan joined us back in the heady days of 2018 to make a show about jellyfish, which you should totally listen to and I'll put a link to in the show notes. But basically, welcome back to the show. We're really glad to have you. I'm excited to be back. I've, I've risen. I've risen back from the depths of the ocean to basically dive right back in, into the depths of the ocean. <laughs> like the animal we're talking about today, which by the way... If you didn't know by now, neither of us are animal experts. So let's get on with the show. We're going to talk about sponges today. <laughs> but first, the news. that sea sponges are nature's disinfectants. This is an article from 2019, but it's probably still very, very current. I mean, this is, this is current science, but apparently sea sponges have a wealth of biologically active compounds in them, and some of them are enzymes that fight growth not just of the fungus that causes mildew, but also molds and destructive bacteria. They also contain other substances that inhibit enzymes, and this led researchers to hope that one day they will be able to be useful in treating diseases like some cancers and some diseases that lead to poor regulation of enzymes in humans. Now, scientists are still trying to figure out whether some of these substances are produced by the sponge itself or if it's by other beneficial bacteria that are in the sponge, but at the very least, Two such potentially protective bacteria have been isolated from a sponge that's found in coral reefs in the Pacific and Indian Oceans. That's pretty cool, right? Yeah, that's wild. But bathers who use natural sponges should not count on permanent resistance to funduses and are advised to let them dry thoroughly between uses and all of that because it's not necessarily something that's going to hang on once you've got the sponge out of the water, right? <laughs> like they're, they've got a laboratory where they're isolating all this stuff and it's all, you know, sanitized and, and safe and everything. Like your bathtub is not a laboratory environment. Just be aware of that. So. <laughs> you, don't, you don't know me. <laughs> that's that's true. Your bathroom might be a laboratory environment. I don't know. You don't, you don't know what general, I up to. <laughs> Most people in general do not have a, a, a sterile bathroom environment. So just saying. <laughs> I might I might just, you know, be plucking sponges out in the ocean, take taking them back to my sterile bathroom <laughs> and just go into town. You just you I don't know what kind of laboratory setup you've got in your bathroom, but I'm just telling you that's a lot more work. 
If you had your laboratory in a different space, it would be less work. Way less work. I'm just saying. Look, <laughs> quarantine made us, made, we, we all had to find <laughs> hobbies, all right? And some of us turned our bathroom into a sterile laboratory space to isolate, you know, things, compounds with sea sponges. Yeah, that's, that's makes sense. That's, that's a thing for real. That's a real thing. Some some <laughs> people, you know, bread yeast. I did this. <laughs> That's way more interesting than sourdough starter. I gotta say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just a reminder to go to varmints.podbean.com for links to the audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at, at varmintspodcast, all one word, and at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. We also have a Pinterest board, which is run by a Varminion whom we adore. Just pop over there and put varmints into the search engine at Pinterest, and you can see our boards full of fluffy and, and not-so-fluffy animals of all kinds. If you want to see some varmints and merchandise, go over to Redbubble and do the same thing. Put varmints into their search engine and see our stuff. That's pretty cool. Paul even made some leggings. You can get varmints leggings. We had a varminion actually ask for the leggings, so he had to go in there and make up the pattern for them. <laughs> That's awesome. Hey, if you like our show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to our podcast? We're everywhere they're found, and word of mouth is the best way to help us grow. So let's go and learn about sponges. Da -da -da -da. Hey, let's go get educated on some animals. I know you wanna. <laughs> So sponges are members of the phylum Porifera, which means pore bearer. They are multicellular and they have bodies full of pores and channels which allow water to circulate through them. These structures consist of something called a mesohill, which is a jelly-like substance that is sandwiched between two thin layers of cells. The branch of zoology that studies sponges is known as spongiology. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's convenient. Yeah. <laughs> That's nice and straightforward. Yeah. I'm a spongiologist. Nice. So sponges have unspecialized cells that can transform into other types that often migrate between the main cell layers and the mesohill in the process. They do not have nervous, digestive, or circulatory systems. They don't have organs and stuff. But they rely on maintaining a constant water flow through their bodies to obtain food and oxygen and to remove waste. So they're like filter feeders, right? Right. Adult sponges are just called sponges. Baby sponges are just called larvae. And this is interesting. Our word sponge comes from the Old English sponge or sponge, S-P-U-N-G. Sponge. From the Latin sponge. <laughs> from the Latin spongia. A sponge, also sea animal from which a sponge comes, from the Greek spongia, related to spongos. Spongos. And, and it is probably a loan word from a non-Indo-European language. I always love it when that happens. And was borrowed independently into Greek, Latin, and Armenian. So that's pretty cool. Mm. Basically, I tried to find out what the loan word might have meant and it looks like it could have meant something like to clean up or to wipe and on that note romans used sponges to wipe off, wipe off poo for their public toilets so this this could be the ancient origin <laughs> maybe it was a maybe, well that's what i'm saying maybe it was like to wipe maybe all the old ancient cultures um, use sponges for for wiping their boot their booties, you know. I, so. After having looked up like a lot of sponge stuff on online and and whatnot in, in preparation, ow. Yeah, but there's there's you know not not the best choice. 
Sure, well, surely other, other options abounded. Well, they're soft, right? Once you get once you get them all all wet with water, they're all soft. So, you know, you just not saying it was hygienic, but it might not have been too uncomfortable. <laughs> Spongos. <laughs> Let's go ahead and get into learning about sponges, Megan. What'd you find out? When, when you when you think of sponges, well, you don't. And I, I feel like I might have done the same thing with jellyfish. It felt kind mm -hmm. of familiar, but it it's kind of a familiar process, isn't it? Yeah, I mean the. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of a familiar creature in that it don't got much in it. It don't it don't be doing much. Nope. It don't got much bits. It doesn't have a lot going on. It's no. Just like, hi, I'm a filter feeder. I have a very simple body. I don't have organs. What do you want? You know? What what do you want from me? <laughs> what do you request from the humble sponge? <laughs> it better not be much, because you know. Just saying. <laughs> they do their best. They do they do, do their best, gosh darn it, the, the sponge. And, and so I feel like when you think of sponges, you, you don't generally think of them as being a creature on the go. No. Mm -mm. With places to be in this modern, fast-paced world. See, I think I did this voice last time is why. Like, I'm, I'm trying to remember if I, if I did the same bit or not. I don't remember. I don't either because 2018 was a very long time ago. But yes, yeah. So it was a thousand years ago. It was. So if I did, we're doing it again because, yeah, you know what? Maybe sponges are going to be part of the fast-paced world of tomorrow, the get-up-and-go modern economy. Because here's here's what we found in an article in in the Nature World News just a few weeks ago. Is it in Excellent. April 30th? That's Sweet. yes, there's sea sponge movement in the Arctic Ocean, <laughs> and it's remarkable, but it comes at a terrific price. Yeah, that's right. What is it? So, researchers were looking at sponges, and they were like, Hey, <laughs> Sp hey, hey there, hey there, sponges down there in the Arctic Ocean, which, what y'all doing? It turns out what that thing was is they were going for a little walk. Oh, dude. Yeah. Uh, so what? Uh, basically, when a sponge is, is stationary, it sort of secures its hold by these little skeletal structures on its body called uh, spicu spicules. Mm -hmm. um, and they're like these little mesh glass structure-y kind of well not they're not made of glass but that that's kind of like the sort of like equivalent almost but they're like a mm -hmm. molecular little skeletal structure uh and so when the sponge decides like you know what i got places to be i got big dreams i'm gonna move to the, the city i'm gonna i'm gonna be a star <laughs> it starts breaking off these spicules as it like contracts and expands and that's how it like starts to move <laughs> nice yeah and, and obviously this is not a, this is not a fast process no because uh, it i mean scientists didn't even know that they really could move until super recently right so yep. like generally aren't they supposed to be sort of immobile <laughs> <laughs> one would think uh and so it's typically like a, a few millimeters per day Ooh, dude yeah but you can see like these clips in like deep within the arctic ocean like these sort of long like winding trails of these broken like spicules show that they are like constantly and consistently moving which yep. is i saw the video it's pretty neat yeah so. it's super cool but what's sort of terrifying is um they are just tearing chunks off themselves to do it that is crazy <laughs> that the the what the article uses as a comparison is uh kind of like honeybees that 
kind of rip off parts of their abdomen after stinging someone. Mm. But at least, unlike with the bees, this doesn't kill this, the sponges. Right. So the next question, though, is like, okay, so why, why are they doing it, though? Right. Because <laughs> they want to go to the city and be a star. Exactly. <laughs> Obviously. They've got big city <laughs> dreams. Uh, they're They're... Best guess was like, okay, um, maybe avoiding poor environmental conditions or the thing that drives most creatures in the natural world, the drive to reproduce. <laughs> but uh, according to like the, the researchers who submitted the video, they're like, eh, I don't think so. Neither of those seem to be it. And so the theory, the newest theory, which... You know, they don't have, like, a thing for it. Like, it's definitely just a theory. Is maybe they're leaving behind, like, a trail. And this trail of, of, you know, bits is an extra food source for younger sponges. Because there's not a whole lot of, like, snacks on the deepest bits of the Arctic Ocean floor. (laughs) Okay, so that's their hypothesis. Yeah, currently. That's that's the hypothesis they're they're working at at the moment. Excellent. Which is deeply strange and interesting. <laughs> that is that's really weird. But all of the little animals that are like this are just so strange. You're just like, what are you, you guys are so weird. How are you animals? Well, we're multicellular and we have, you know, sexual reproduction and, you know, we're hemostatic, we control our own chemistry and, yeah, we're animals. We eat stuff. We we excrete stuff. We grow. Blah, blah, blah. Okay. Also, our cells can just kind of wander around and do different things, you know. (laughs) (laughs) They don't want to be tied down, man. (laughs) So, boy, sponge, I didn't know this was going to be such a big topic, but, man, how to make baby sponges? So many ways. So many ways. It's crazy. <laughs> hey, Varminions. We're going to talk about how sponges make babies. And we're not going to get graphic, but there probably will be some biological terms. And the topic will swerve briefly into human relations during the pop culture segment. So if you haven't had the talk with your Rugrats, this might be a good one to check in with later. Thanks for listening, everybody. Some sponges are capable of uh, asexual reproduction and sexual reproduction. So basically, this is crazy. For asexual reproduction, they even have different kinds that they can do. Sponges are capable of doing fragmentation, budding, and then producing something called gemmules. So basically, fragments of sponges can be detached by currents or waves, and they reattach themselves to a suitable surface and then sort of rebuild themselves as a fully functioning sort of mini sponge over several days. So that is weird. They can only do it if they have the right kinds of cells inside the fragment, right? Huh. But... But they can, but they can do it quite often. There are a few species that can reproduce by budding, like a plant. They just like make a little bud. Okay, new sponge. And they they make they make that noise while they do it too. Of course, they do. That's that's a fact. Hashtag fact. <laughs> <laughs> and then they just like bud off of the original sponge, right? So like a tree or some other, you know. You can imagine them sort of branching off. Some of them do that. The main way that they do asexual reproduction seems to be by making something called gemmules. Gemmules are survival pods, which a few marine sponges and many freshwater species produce by the thousands when they are dying, which some species, mainly freshwater, produce regularly in the autumn. Sponges make gemmules by wrapping shells of spongin, often reinforced with the spicules or spicules or whatever they're called that you were talking about earlier. They put those around clusters of cells that are full of nutrients. And then the gemmules become dormant. And in this state, they can survive cold, drying out, lack of oxygen, extreme variations in salinity, 
etc., etc., and they just wait to grow into a new sponge until conditions are perfect. Conditions are perfect. I think I will germinate. And then when they do germinate, a membrane that's over a pore in the shell bursts and clusters of cells emerge very slowly and become a new sponge over time. Gemules from the same species but from different individuals can join forces to form one sponge. So that's interesting. So it's asexual, still asexual reproduction, but you can still do it with two different individuals, which I found really hard to wrap my head around. But it's still considered asexual reproduction because you're not talking about gametes and stuff at that point. So like sperm and eggs, that's not involved. However, they're forming volt, they're forming sponge Voltron. Sponge Voltron. Yep. And this is really weird. Some gemules can be retained within a parent sponge. And then in the spring, it can be difficult to tell whether an old sponge has been revived or recolonized by its own gemules or if it's a brand new one. So. Oh, 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 that's like, that's. That's bizarre. Uh, uh. That's a little bit like the immortal jelly, don't you think? Yeah. Also, I, I did look it up. Well, we were saying so. It's it's a spicule. I we were okay. we were both slightly off <laughs> in our okay. own special spicules. way. Spicules. Good. Spicules. Well, that that's fine. That makes sense. <laughs> so sponges can also reproduce sexually, which is crazy. They can do one or the other. Many sponges are hermaphroditic. You've got they got options. <laughs> they do, and others never change sex in their whole life. And then others alternate once or many times between male being male and female. Just depends on how they're feeling, you know? It's fine. Most research on sponge reproduction has been done on shallow water sponges, so you kind of have to infer the behavior for the deep sea guys because it's not always easy to, to study them, right? So unlike every other animal, they don't have organized gonads, right? So they produce their sperm in and they float around inside the innards, which are, remember the mesohill? The sperm kind of float around in there. And then when it's time, they billow them out from excurrent canals like smoke coming from chimneys, coating the nearby surroundings in sponge unmentionables. <laughs> the smoking sponges can be triggered one at a time or in whole bunches. A group of sponges is called a sleaze, by the way. A sleaze of sponges. I was still sitting back here just being like, disorganized gonads would be a great name for a punk band. <laughs> Wouldn't it? That would, it would really be good. It'd be like a techno punk band, though. Yes. Know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe like a synth, like maybe like just like a really weird synth band. Maybe, maybe it's a ska band, like a ska techno punk band. <laughs> Be the worst because you have to have to saxophone in there, just right? The, just the worst band to listen to. I don't know about that. I think it might be pretty good. A, te- a techno punk ska band. I I'm I'm looking for it right now. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna ask my friend Gordon. Is there a techno punk ska band? Because I want to hear what they sound like. And are they called disorganized gonads? <laughs> Sleaze. Sleazy sponge and the disorganized gonads. Woo! Yep. Take it. Take the name. Somebody out there form a techno punk ska band, and that's what you can call it, and you can have it. Get back. We'll get back to us. Write but a hit song. Know. Yes. Write a hit song and prove me wrong with how good Write it is. Write any song. Write any song. We don't care if it's a hit. I don't care if it's a hit. I just want to hear it. But anyway, so back to the sponges. Yes, the aggregation of sponges is called a sleaze. And and the lady who wrote wrote this article, she's a master's degree student studying sponges, and she says, about one person in the world knows this term, and it's the student who coined it in 1978. It hasn't really caught on. But... But only because the details of sponge sex are not common knowledge. So she expects that the the word will be adopted uh, in the future. So yeah, all right, we all got to do our part. We we definitely do. So basically, the smoking sponges we said they can be triggered one at a time, or whole sleezes of sponges can do it. <laughs> the the sperm release may happen many times throughout the year in one massive time when the moon is right. <laughs> Put a little Marvin Gaye on, you know how it is. So when the sperm gets inside the feeding chambers of another sponge, 
The feeding cells in the chamber transform into sperm transport cells. Then they pack it up and they bring it in to fertilize an egg, an oocyte. And after fertilization, sponge larvae are released into the water and either drift to a new location or sometimes for glass sponges, they drift or crawl to a new place to grow up. So that is how sponges make baby sponges sexually. That's that's how they do their sexual reproduction. That is completely crazy. Yeah, that's bonkers. I love it. It is bonkers. Nature's drunk. Go home, nature. <laughs> you are drunk. <laughs> so according to the IUCN, sponges are of least concern. But we have to remember that because of climate change, which is a real thing, stuff is changing all the time and sponges are in danger at the same in the same way as everything else in the sea okay so they're at least concerned at the moment mm -hmm. but that could depend on where you are in the world in general they're fine but there's probably coral reefs where sponges are really suffering at, at, at different places in all over the world and and uh you know just keep checking on it because because uh, if the sponges are really in trouble in the ocean, that probably means that we're all in a lot of trouble. So, just saying. <laughs> it's, it's not something we want to not think about. Yeah. I mean, if if the, if the sponges are, are on the move, maybe we do want to know why. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should probably find out. That sounds like a good idea. All right, I'm going to take a moment to thank our patrons. Hey, Patreon Varminions, thank you so much. Our podcast is commercial free forever, and it's your donations that keep the lights on, the recordings going. We like to donate to various causes, and when we've got enough cash to do something, that's because of you, the patron, makes it possible. So thank you so much forever and ever and ever. We love you. Thank you so much. Hey there everyone, Paul and Don are a couple of nerds just like you, and they don't get to see animals up close and in person very often. So let's talk about where we all see them most of the time, on movies, TV, comic books, toys and video games. Are you ready kids? Aye aye captain! I can't hear you! Oh, who lives in a pineapple under the sea? SpongeBob SquarePants! in yellow and porous is he? SpongeBob If nautical nonsense be something you wish, SpongeBob Then drop on the deck and flop like a fish! SpongeBob Ready? SpongeBob SquarePants! SpongeBob SquarePants! SpongeBob SquarePants! SpongeBob SquarePants! <laughs> All right, so SpongeBob, this is funny because on the 2018 episode, you also talked about SpongeBob because of the jellyfish that's in there. The little pet jellyfish that he had. But today, you're actually going to talk about the SpongeBob himself. Well, I mean. <laughs> There's not a lot. It's a show about sponges, and that is the pop culture. Like that is that's it. SpongeBob is it. That's all there is. So. I was gonna say there's not there's not a whole lot to work. There's there's not, and I gave it to you because I was like, uh, yeah, okay. So I was in my twenties in the nineties, and I was like running around, gaming and partying and chasing boys, and not worrying about what was on television. Right, so. I never saw any of it. Not any of it. <laughs> yeah, I was... Oh, Lord. I was nine, I think, when mm -hmm, the mm -hmm. premiered, which was, yeah, that was 1999. Uh, so that's about the perfect age, really. It's it's true. That yeah. Because then you can well. get all the jokes and still appreciate the just the general color and all that kind of stuff, too. So, old SpongeBob SquarePants. Yeah was a well i say was it is it's still going it's the fifth longest running american animated series oh is it still going that's crazy it sure is longer than that's not as long as the simpsons but darn close right it's extremely close yeah yeah no because that's over 20 years at this point i think we'll just we'll say 20 sure why not well ni 1999 to 2021 
Mm. Math. I don't. I someone, don't math. Someone math. Someone do math. All right. Wait, yeah. <laughs> do it. I, I don't math. Let me get this pad of paper. I'm going to I will, do. I'll do the math. I'm going to do math. It's twenty twenty two years. I was gonna say oh I'm God. I'm I'm thirty one. We could do this. <laughs> we can do it. It was created by marine science educator and animator Steven Hillenberg for Nickelodeon. The idea had originated in an unpublished educational book that Hillenberg had created in 1989 called The Intertidal Zone to teach his students about undersea life. Wow, that's cool. Yeah, and then he was like, I can make a cartoon out of this. <laughs> nice. Yeah. That's very cool. Well, I mean, the, the opening song sure is an earworm. I think everybody must know it, even if they've never watched the show, right? So... This is true. It's yeah. It's there forever. Forever. Yeah, before creating the show, Steven Hillenberg taught marine biology to visitors of the Ocean Institute in Dana Point, California. Cool. Yeah, he's he's a he's a big old sponge. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't really uh I don't think he's based off of like a, a particular specific kind of sponge. Because he kind of looks like a kitchen sponge. Yeah, more than anything. But he's not. He's a sea sponge. He is a sea so. sponge. Yeah. He's he just he's just real popular. <laughs> he went to the city and became a star. He did, <laughs> and he didn't even have to like tear off pieces of like his inner spinal mesh to do it. <laughs> 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 um, the thing that I think is is kind of interesting that, that I was gonna mention, where you, you were talking about sponges, what what reproduce asexually, is that SpongeBob is also interesting because a couple times in interviews, Steven Hillenberg doubled down in 2002 and clarifying in 2005 where there was a lot of controversy regarding like SpongeBob's like sexual orientation by. I don't know, because people just can't let cartoons, you know, be cartoons. I, 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 yeah. God only knows. I don't understand why this is controversial for some people. Like, he's a sponge. What yeah. do you care? Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> he is a sponge, but they're just like, what that sponge do, though? Uh, he's a sponge. <laughs> he's a cartoon sponge. He's not even a real sponge. Yeah. He this but, has no effect on anything at all. <laughs> yeah, but, but yep, here we are. And Hillenberg had said, you know, SpongeBob is actually asexual. Yeah. You know, like how sponges will be. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. And awesome. yeah, no, and, and so it was actually just this past year that Nickelodeon put out a tweet for Pride Month that they said celebrating pride with the LGBTQ plus community and their allies this month and every month. And so what they did was they had on the tweet, they had a picture of SpongeBob, a character called Cora from Legend of Cora, and transgender Canadian actor Michael Cohen, who plays a character named Schwaz in a show called Henry Danger that I don't know anything about, but yeah, I haven't heard of it. I don't know. I don't. Well, I don't watch cartoons now I as know. an adult, so I don't know the. But so there, it's a. So they had a transgender actor. They had a, a another cartoon character who is canonically like identifies as bisexual, and then they had mm -hmm. old SpongeBob, and everyone was just kind of like. What's, what's SpongeBob doing up there? Huh. And then that was like the thing of like, yeah, just because because he's just because he's asexual. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. <laughs> well, there you go, like, and that's it for SpongeBob. Like, so. like, like how sponge, like how sponges do, like how sponges do. Well, I think that's that's pretty cool that he would just be like, what are you talking about? He's a city sponge. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> like please stop that, being so concerned crazy. about about the sponge <laughs> it does not matter it is fine <laughs> the sponge is perfectly okay stop worrying about it so yeah yes the sponge the sponge is going to produce gemules <laughs>
Pop culture is absent of most sponges. As we were saying before, SpongeBob is like the guy. He is the sponge. The sponge of pop culture. That's it. So I was like, well, what am I going to do? And I thought, well, I'll just find a little documentary. And I actually did find a really cool one. It's called Sponges, the Oldest Creatures in the Sea? Question mark? Until recently, there was a scientific consensus that sponges were the first animals to branch off of the animal tree of life, a kind of family tree for all living and extinct animals on Earth. But DNA research cast doubt on that theory, with some scientists suggesting that comb jellies are an older lineage, but I'm going to talk about why that's probably... Again, they're going to have to backtrack again. Science is a science is not just a body of facts. It's a way of approaching the world. And when you find out new information, you have to have to kind of incorporate the new stuff into your worldview. And that's that's just how it is. So how science do. <laughs> yep. It seems like now the original idea that the oldest creature is probably the sponge is probably the right one. So sorry, comb jelly, but. This is a really good little documentary, and I'll put the link to it in our show notes. It's Changing Seas TV on YouTube. Subscribe to their channel because it's a real good channel. And uh, yeah, go and watch the video. Here's a little tiny snippet of what it sounds like. There's over 8,500 species of sponges that are known. Sponges are found in all ocean basins from tropical to arctic. There's a few freshwater sponges, so they are very widespread. Many tropical sponges can be found on shallow reefs to deep reefs. Sponges are animals, primitive and simple. They don't have true specialized or differentiated tissue, like a heart or a brain or a liver. They do have differentiated cells. Depending on the type or class of sponge, the skeleton can be made out of silica, or calcium carbonate. So most sponges have a silica-based skeleton and these are in the form of what's called spicules. These spicules determine the consistency or feel of a sponge. You can go from very soft to very rock-like. People might learn a little bit from sponges as to how do they survive disturbances, changing climates, who do you want to go to when you run into trouble? Well, it's a group that's been around for a long period of time, and the sponges fit that bill. What might sponge genomes tell us about long-term survival? What other secrets might sponges reveal? So, I mean, clearly there's there's a, there's a niche that's got to be filled here in terms of, like, sponge media. Otherwise, you know, SpongeBob SquarePants, he's had the monopoly for too long. Yep. For sure. Everybody needs to get out there and create some pop culture around sponges. Do it. Go make some sponge it, content. <laughs> yeah. Make sponge content because you know. You know that it's needed because there's only one. It's just SpongeBob. Spongebob. Silly. It's lonely at the top. Mummy, what's for dinner? It's the elbow of a snake! Mummy, I can't eat that. Well, would you eat that? Okay, what do you say? Would you eat it? I, I don't I don't want to eat the sponge the sponge no. the sponge no. <laughs> sponge the sponia <laughs> I don't want to eat the sponia yes <laughs> no me gusta <laughs> I, don't, I don't want to eat the the the, gla the glass like spinal mesh <laughs> you don't want to eat the glass like spinal mesh come on no <laughs> even with ketchup 
<laughs> well, no. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. Humans don't eat sponges. I, I'm not eating them. But two organisms that do eat them are hawksbill sea turtles and nudie branches. Nudie branches are sea slugs. Those little cute sea slugs with all those cute little weird stuff, spikes and all that kind of stuff. Okay, thank you. Those th guys. Thank, thank you, because I, I was going to be like, Donna, what, 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 what is a nudie branch? <laughs> it's a sea slug. A sea slug. You should look it up. Look up the word nudie branches and you'll get a picture. Do it right now. Okay. So you can see. Do it now. Do it now. So you can see what they look like. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's, yeah. yeah. Those are Sheesh awesome. Lugs. Why are they, what? That is the weirdest name. For, for the, real, right? For the, for the coolest looking, see, the, yeah, because those are the coolest looking little, little sea sluggies with like the best colors. And, and th why are they called nudie branches? <laughs> I don't know, but we'll find out on our Sea Slugs episode in the future. Because it's it's on the list. That's like if you took axolotls and like, I'm going to name these naked twigs. <laughs> well, we're not going to answer that today. We're going to have to just wait. You're going to have to wait to find out on the Sea Branches, the Sea Slugs episode in the future. Fine. It's on the list. Okay, okay, fine. So bottlenose dolphins don't eat sponges, but in Shark Bay in Western Australia, they use them as a tool. They attach the marine sponge to their rostrum, and then they dig in the sand, searching for food on the sandy sea bottom, and it, apparently it is used to protect their face while they're digging for food in the sea bottom. The behavior, known as sponging, has only been observed in that bay, and it is exclusively shown by females. And there was a study done in 2005 that concluded that mothers teach their behavior to the daughters, and that all the sponge users are closely related, suggesting that this is a fairly recent innovation. That's pretty crazy, right? Huh. Amazing. I remember <laughs> learning about that in school, in biology. Mother! Mother, when will you teach me to sponge? You are not yet mature enough to learn to sponge, my daughter. When will you take me sponging, mother? You must you must gain some weight and and be a little more independent before I teach you, but I will teach you. Have no fear. <laughs> Why do we talk like this in Western Australia, mother? I don't know. It's probably because the podcast host can't do an Australian accent. <laughs> this is unfortunately true. <laughs> uh. Now, humans may not eat, be eating sponges, but we use them. The skeleton of most sponge genera make them too rough for most uses, but two genera, the hippospongia and the spongia, have soft, entirely fibrous skeletons. Early Europeans used soft sponges for many purposes, including padding for helmets, portable drinking utensils, and municipal water filters. They were used as cleaning implements, they were used as paint and glaze applicators, and as contraceptives. <laughs> Until the modern synthetic sponges were... <laughs> yes, sponge <-worthy. laughs> Until the modern synthetic ones were invented, and we already in, we already mentioned the the potty uses of them. So yeah. We'll just give it a second a second little mention because we like a poo joke on the Varmints podcast. So. Yeah. Bonus fact: the loofah sponge is not an animal sponge. It is not a sponge. It is the dried out inside skeleton of the fruit of a vine plant called the sponge gourd, which is related to a cucumber. I, I just, so I, I don't know what's real anymore. Word, I know. Words just can be anything. I know, right? But uh, yeah, I thought that was a little interesting bonus fact. And because we're not a plant show, we will never get another chance to mention it. So that's your bonus fact. Do, 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 do. 
Mama always said that ponies can't dream. Yeah, well, I heard that dogs are made of rope. Our animalologists have been working tirelessly at your local library to combat misinformation and bring you this edition of Animal Fact of the Week. Early fossil records show that sponges inhabited the Earth roughly 600 million years ago. That is a long time ago. And they're still, they're still kicking. They're, yeah. they're keeping it old school. Possibly the yep. old, the old oldest of schools. Yes, the oldest old school that there is. <laughs> Which, you know, con- considering that they don't have they, they, they got nothing. They don't have, you know, nervous system, digestive system, circulatory system. It's yeah. y- you brought me on for jellyfish part two. Now there's even less things. <laughs> what, what if less? <laughs> <laughs> well, we were talking earlier about how it was originally thought they were the first animal on Earth. And I'm just going to add to what you're talking about by pointing out some of the science that's developed since that time. So we're talking about the Cambrian explosion here, right? This is when life went, boom, I'm everywhere. Living things all over the place. Life, 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 life everywhere. And at first it was it was thought that they were among the first animal forms. But then, as we said, they thought the comb jelly might actually be older as far as an animal is concerned. There were living creatures before them, but they weren't animal life yet, right? But then scientists at MIT have been looking at a molecule in the rock that was formed 100 million years before the Cambrian period and confirmed that the molecule was deposited there by sea sponges. So the oldest of the old school title probably has to be passed right back to the sea sponges. And and not to the comb jellies anymore. Taking it back for the sea sponges, baby. Taking it back. Sea sponges have the ball and they're running for the goal. <laughs> also, Cambrian explosion. Another good bad name. Oh, absolutely. I wouldn't be. I'd be surprised if there wasn't a band called Cambrian Explosion. I bet there is. So, you know, I'm just. I'm guessing. I'm guessing there probably is. It's a garage band of a bunch of scientist kids that also have a band. So. <laughs> so fossils before the Cambrian are pretty tough to come by, and th- that's why scientists have been looking at mole- molecular fossils, which are trace amounts of molecules that have survived in ancient rocks. Just so you know, I did not know what a molecular fossil was, but I do now, and now so do you, if you didn't before. <laughs> Yet there is a band called Cambrian Explosion. I knew it! <laughs> <laughs> And they have an album, I think, called Marine Theology. Ooh. They do, they do right. frog rock. Wow. We might have to check it out. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for joining me today for our, our varmint's exploration into the sea sponge. Into all sponges. Some of them are freshwater. Today's show has been brought to you with technical support by Matthew Chomo and... Our voice actors, Carrie Sims, Stacey and Frosty, Justine and Santiago. Special thanks again to this week's host, Megan Danger Hess, who is now part of The Weird Podcast and was a co-host of their old podcast, The Oh No Lip Class Podcast, which you should listen to the back catalog of because it is really good. And thank you so much for joining me on the show again. Yeah, so Ono oh class is kind of basically over. Technically, we have a couple episodes left. They'll be up at some point, but that is a classic literature comedy podcast. Yes. It's like Spark Notes, but fun and, and not for kids. Yes, it's very sweary. <laughs> it's very, very, very naughty languagey. Yeah, you could listen to that wherever you get podcasts or at onolitclass.com. Mm-hmm currently do the weird which is kind of like it's like a it's like a fun audio drama podcast but also kind of like a game it's it's good it's a storytelling it's spooky it's spooky it's fun it's also a little sweary there's there's a common theme here uh, <laughs> you could also you can check that out anywhere everywhere or at jointheweird.com 
and and hey maybe maybe you like maybe you liked me i don't know i'd like to think i'm kind of likable <laughs> you hey. are very likable oh well, oh <laughs> shucks and so you could you can get you get a little bit more of this at twitter at meg underscore danger awesome all right, it's time for the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat who is eight years of age or younger and wants to be on our podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmanspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it super easy for your Rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. Today, our little Rugrat is Lisi. Here she goes. You ready? Lisi's going to tell us about sponges. Tell me about sponges, Lisi. Hi, I am Elise, the third bench lane on the bench. Did you know that sea sponges have no brains? Oh, um, there are 5,000 types of sea sponges that we know of. Their lifespan is 10 years. And they regenerate like a lizard, an earthworm, like if you cut an earthworm in half, it regenerates or grows back. Thank you for coming. Bye. <laughs> so basically, Lisey's mom is Trisha, one of the hosts of the Two Girls on a Bench podcast, which is also on the Podfix Network with us. It is about creative writing. It is, again, not for children. Um, but it is really good, and you guys should check it out. So thanks for listening, and until next time, be nice to animals. Even sponges. Still counts. <laughs> <laughs>